inescapable love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter! Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where we deep dive into themes from the Harry Potter books because it's Pride Month and we want to. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dagger Shortenaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are here in our virtual studio with special guest Theo Julian Forrester. Woo! Hello. A man who needs no introduction because <laughs> everyone knows you. Shucks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, today we're going to be doing a uh, deep dive into one. Wait, no. Well, not into him. That would be weird. We're going uh, we... to talk about Snape. <laughs> we sure are. It's finally time. We're going to talk about Snape. Real quick, though, for anyone who for some reason is listening to this as their first episode of The Gaily Prophet, uh, Theo, do you want to, besides being our cartoonist, our official cartoonist, do you want to talk about your work and why you are here to talk with us about uh snape and why he desperately needed therapy among other things sure uh so out of the podcasting world i am a community mental health therapist um so i was really uh, happy that you guys asked me on today thank you always LOL. I didn't mean to make that joke. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. How did that take me so long until you went LOL to realize that's what you said? Okay. I didn't even realize it until I said it. Um, cool. Cool, cool. So, yeah, today we're going to be exploring the life of Severus Snape starting from childhood. We're going to talk about his various traumas, the way that they show up in his life, and then we're going to talk about potential therapeutic interventions at various points in his life and how that could have changed things for him. So Snape apologists, your moment has come. You get to hear us like reckoning non-ruthlessly with the story. I will not call it an arc still of Severus Snape. And it's going to be great. I think it's really more of an unveiling, I guess. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's start let's start with the beginning. I mean we don't know the beginning beginning. Actually I guess we do. So what do we know about Snape's parents? Eileen Prince and something Snape. What's his dad's name? Tobias? Tobias. Yes. Uh alright, so okay, y'all are gonna have to correct me because I've read so much fan fiction and we have not read book six to for me to be totally refreshed about this but lean prince a potentially last of a pure blood house i believe is what we know about the princes mm-hmm. 
marries Tobias Snape, who is a muggle, muggle-born guy, who sucks, it appears. <laughs> yep. Uh, real bad. And yeah, uh, and then for what, from what else we get in the series is that possibly just because of, you know, Elaine Prince not working and not potentially having any family money, Snape grows up very poor. Uh, his mm-hmm. dad is working class in a factory, question mark? It seems to be, at least they live in a factory town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they live in the more industrial slash, I would say, poorer area of whatever the fuck area of England that Snape right. grows up in. I know we get in whatever, however we get that flashback of Snape at home with his family that like verbal abuse from his father, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if like hinting at him maybe drinking a lot was a is a phantom thing and not a canon thing because I really can't remember. But but yeah, and Snape himself kind of growing up pre Hogwarts, living the hard life, but in in poverty of people kind of making fun of him for being a weirdo, but also him sort of like growing up with this sort of weird like part of my family used to be great, but now we're just now we're in this poor town where everyone's fucking breathing in coal and getting like lung cancer when they're like whatever like that's sort of the vibe that we're getting Mm -hmm. from his childhood so like his aces score is high yeah yeah and so theo we we just get a little bit of snape pre pre hogwarts but you know, we see this scene where his dad is like screaming at his mom and Snape is hiding in the corner. And then we see these scenes where he is interacting with Lily and he does things like break into Petunia's room and like throw a tr- or magically throw a tree branch at her. And I guess the question there is like, given all of the things that we do know of his childhood like how is how is all of that trauma showing up in the ways that we see him acting even before he gets to hogwarts yes or what is the relationship yeah so i mean i think just a lot of like textbook uh like being physically neglected and like emotionally um neglected even i mean i think even just like and I might have my timelines a little wrong with this too, so sorry if it jumps ahead. But I think just like, you know, he always kind of appeared unkempt and wearing clothing that was not, didn't quite fit him right. A lot of the things we saw with Harry even whenever, like pre-Hogwarts for himself. Um, and then in terms of, yeah, the, the, the acting out, um, particularly around Petunia, um, just a really like strong indicator of, you know, different things going on at home I, I think too um, maybe even acting out like dad was a, a muggle and just kind of lashing out at other muggles too um, in ways that he couldn't do with his father most likely right yeah I think too I, I remember uh, when they are even describing the dad I think Snape even says something along the lines of he's not really doesn't like much of anything you know so just kind of to mm-hmm. ex- like show that real like disinterest that he has that I would even wonder might be some like depression symptoms from dad you know that further complicate that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. i feel like maybe it would also be a time to sort of point out that elaine and tobias's relationship not seeming very strong or affectionate or loving also 
I feel like seems like it's worth noting. Um, and I can't help but think about our other more, our other sort of noble impoverished people that we have in the series, just the Weasleys. Mm. As much as I think maybe Ron's sort of issues with like his own being lower class and the way that Snape deals with being lower class is like, seems to be very different, but I feel like it seems like it's worth bringing up. Yeah, for sure. I think like, I don't know, I've definitely read different like forums or things of people trying to diagnose Snape and like his actions. And I don't always, uh, I don't know, I don't tend to fall in line with a lot of what they said, but I, I think one thing that you could definitely make an argument for is just kind of like complex post-traumatic stress, like from repeated long-term exposure to various traumas like starting at such a young age and like just continuing to compound as he gets older and older um and i think you know even as young as watching him take out like his anger kind of like on petunia things like that um just like the emotional dysregulation that really happens for for children that are that are in those kinds of environments yeah it's pretty telling sign there i was curious if you think that Snape went to Muggle school before going to Hogwarts, or if he was just at home doing whatever witch kids do before age 11. Yeah, I mean, hard to say. I I think, like, if he had, it, it definitely brings up the question, which I know has been brought up on the podcast, even in relation to Harry, that, like, why did nobody in these muggle schools notice what was happening and intervene in any way? You know, I think we definitely see him like very stunted in social interactions by the time he even does meet Lily, that it, it does kind of beg the question, like how, how wide of a circle did he have of exposure to other people his own age? But, you know, that, that was standing. I, I think that could still just be kind of what happens when, when you're at home and, and experiencing a lot of that like neglect and all that like verbal you know, verbal abuse that he's watching his parents go through. So I don't know. It's tough to say. Yeah, because I almost feel watching him meet Lily, it just doesn't... I mean, A, you would think they would know each other from school. That's part of it if they're the same age because it seems like a pretty small town. But also, I guess the way that he sort of comes into the scene with her and then also the possessiveness that he feels around her makes me feel like he doesn't have other friends. Um, and he sort of like latches onto her as this, he's like, well, you're, you know, my person now and I'm not even willing to like share you with your sister, which doesn't feel like a kid who like has had a lot of uh, other friends in his life. I, f- I feel like the vibe is very much dysfunctional fundy christian homeschooler mm-hmm. where it's like i as the parent have a belief that i don't you know i don't want you to be out you know you're going to be home with me doing like learning about magic but like maybe not in a very like structured healthy way and potentially not in a way that isn't just somehow just compounded child abuse and manipulation so yeah but whereas those kids usually have a plethora of siblings snape is also an only child. Yeah. How do you think, so something that I saw, I, th- I feel like it was in like the Harry Potter lexicon, maybe uh, when I was reading about his mom, they were like, she's presumed to have been in Slytherin because Snape says that he wants to be in Slytherin. And like, where else would he have gotten that idea since he doesn't seem to be around other 
witches. And I was thinking about, like, if you have this Slytherin who somehow ends up marrying a muggle, and then that muggle is terrible, what kind of messaging would Snape have been receiving from his mom, even in his super young childhood? I'm just envisioning the most self-hating bullshit ever. Yeah, for Uh sure. Definitely, I mean, I think, like, kind of one of the common traits we even see, like, with the Slytherins is just, like, her ambition and all that. And, and, and yeah, and then, you know, being married in a relationship that proves to be less than an ideal partnership, for sure. I think that 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 would definitely probably result in a lot of, like, self-hatred, kind of, like, failure mentality for mom. Yeah, which I, I think could definitely, you know, be picked upon by by young children. It is. So it, it would make sense that that, that, that definitely impacted him. Um, so should we talk about Hogwarts? Let's talk about Hogwarts. <laughs> if we must, no. <laughs> <laughs> so this wasn't in, in the list that we that we sent you but it just occurred to me we have this queer blur episode about what if draco had been sorted into ravenclaw and i actually just was like oh but snape too like what if we imagine snape having been sorted into a different house which maybe goes in the later section when we talk about like possible interventions maybe we should put a pin in that yeah so jesse do you want to all right, so we get Snape arriving at Hogwarts. His only friend, Lily, also going to Hogwarts. Uh, obviously, she gets sorted into Gryffindor, and he gets sorted into Slytherin, where, as best that we know, he fell into a crowd of kids who also loved fucking around with dark magic and also immediately got into a very intense school feud with um james potter and Sirius black for reasons that i think honestly probably say more about Sirius than they do about snape but we can talk about that (laughs) on the train i think on the train but i think also just in general until we get to the whole thing when in book in when they're in their fifth year but yeah i mean i am curious about that the train incident where they're talking about about the houses that they want to be sorted into and that sort of initial we are all going to hate each other that happens which is i mean it could be really interesting to talk about from the point of view of Sirius because it seems like it first occurs to him that he could like not be sorted into Slytherin during that conversation but I do think there's something interesting in how personally Snape takes the idea that someone would have a family history of being sorted into Slytherin and choose something different. Yeah. Which I think that I feel like from Snape's perspective, I feel like it it does seem like a kind of clear like you are throwing away all of this privilege that you were literally born into for what? kind of deal and like especially sort of like because at this point you know i think we can honestly say that you know snape has this whole narrative about his which side of his family where it's like these 
great like pure blood families that like fell into ruin and then my mom like fucked it up because she married this fucking deadbeat fucking muggle and i'm gonna be the one to like bring all the glory back or whatever the fuck and then there's this chump who's just like whatever Eh." yeah i definitely i definitely could see that being a thing like almost in the same way that you know tom riddle kind of has a very uh less than ideal childhood and, and just kind of has those like yeah just the ideals of like oh to 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 be the the, the power and, and have all that stuff i guess i never really thought about it for snape that way but but yeah just like to to kind of bring it back and and to kind of prove that he's worthy in a way maybe that he never felt pre-hogwarts um due to his home life do we know anything about snape between 11 and whatever year it is when his falling out with Lily slash fight with James and Sirius happens. I feel like not much. I feel like we only really get stuff kind of from basically third hand from Sirius and Lupin. Like, I know that's where we get the line about Snape having came into Hogwarts already knowing a ton of like dark magic or whatever. Mm. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Which may or may not be true, or maybe in a lot of cases there is some truth to that. Because I feel like I feel like what we get from Snape's notes in his uh, potions textbook is that obviously he's kind of operating at an intellectual level. That's like, I mean, it's it's hard to say just because Harry is so unobservant, but <laughs> I think we can say that Snape is operating at like an intellectual level higher than a lot of his peers and maybe isn't being super challenged in school so he's just kind of being like i'm just gonna make my own fucking shit like whatever fucking around in the empty potions classroom whatever i mean board board picked on smart kid is i think or correction board picked on smart kid with a large sense of entitlement yeah i also kind of wonder like looking from the lens of like trauma that like I think for a lot of people, just like it's like academics and things for him are definitely could just be be like his escape, like the place that he can um, get like that recognition he's not getting elsewhere. And so, yeah, just really having that place to go to. I think even just like his whole creation of, you know, like the half blood prince and kind of like this, this separate identity that's, yeah, just comes off very different than like what his reality appears to be, you know? And I think it's difficult because, like, as, you know, we we learn, it's it's hard to, like, take what Sirius and James and things, like, it's hard to kind of take what they say at face value. Like, that's their side of the story, but it's very colored um, to kind of to kind of fit their motives at the time. So could we talk about sort of the the canonical culture of Slytherin House in the book, I think? <laughs> Which we get, besides clearly, number one, a love of people having, like, secret names and identities and stuff. Because it's like, you get Tom Riddle, one book saying, like, we're going to have the secret society. And then you have Snape being, like, in his textbooks. And you're just like, what is going? Anyway. But. <laughs> I mean, I think, we, obviously, we've talked about before how there was definitely, like, anti-muggle bias built into sort of like witching society and culture and i think slytherins take it the step really for like the like bigoted supremacy step Mm -hmm. so then you have 
11-year-old Snape being sorted into this house where sort of the default culture is fuck all muggles, essentially. And it basically just feels like a giant allegory for all of the ways that, like, angry, disenfranchised white dudes on the internet are being radicalized for this sort of whatever their ideal about being, like, you know, I should be making a lot of money and having sex with hot women. What, why isn't this happening? It's like, because you're not entitled to these things. Like, you don't get these things just because you're a white dude. Like, Yeah. I mean, yeah. Slytherin for Snape is is basically 4chan or wherever. I guess Reddit, too, where these dudes get radicalized. It is... It makes so much sense to me that Snape entering into that environment where probably everyone else that is in Slytherin has grown up in the witching world. It's not like they, not like Muggleborns get into Slytherin house. So even if there are other half-bloods, they're probably people who came from witching society. So he not only is being steeped in this wizard supremacy mentality but also he feels like he has to prove himself extra because he didn't really grow up around witches like he grew up in the muggle world even though his mom is a witch so it's almost like given that slytherin is a a house that's allowed to exist and you like put this kid in slytherin the chances of him then not becoming a you know evil wizard nationalist were i don't know i don't want to say zero uh i don't know theo what do you think yeah it's it's interesting to think i guess i find my mind kind of wandering to you know like other other characters that we meet that yeah have something to prove that aren't sorted into slytherin you know i I think you know we've kind of talked about how even hermione kind of shows some signs of, of maybe being at some kind of hands of abuse in her own upbringing and she clearly is coming from no magical background whatsoever and and just really has that drive but i think the difference there is she has well at least one of the differences is that she has like adult mentors that give a crap and really want Mm -hmm. to be like even mcgonagall for as harsh as she can be really does have like some oversight and a hand in like kind of nurturing and, and pushing like in a direction that you don't see snape doing with his people like there's no accountability for their actions they kind of get off and do whatever they want and i have to wonder if that kind of echoes what it was like when he was a child you know i mean we've met horace slughorn we kind of have seen what kind of a person he is and maybe on the surface he's not as like outwardly you know terrible but in his own way i think he was very into collecting his own set of like here are all my worthy people here are the people that I can claim that I had a hand in, you know, and I think even thinking about Snape for as brilliant of a person as he is, you know, he still was never like tapped from Slughorn as being one of those students worthy of his picture wall, you know? So yeah, I think just, you really do kind of see how that over time. Yeah. The, the, the different houses, it, it does make you wonder just like, that parental kind of figure and how that impacted things. Fucking slugging. <laughs> I mean, such a such an interesting character we get for someone who's not like directly a like murderous bigot, but like 
this like banali evil like not like maybe not evil but like corrupt maybe is it the word i want i don't know yeah i yeah i can't see uh slughorn really trying to like nurture any of the maladjusted angry kids like snape yeah right i mean no you're totally right i just remembered like when harry takes ron to him because he has been dosed with love potion and like slughorn doesn't even know ron's name it's it's the it's already into the second semester at that point so really if he's not interested in you he's not he just doesn't he's just not doing anything and given the scene that we get where riddle is asking slughorn about the horcrux it's like it's kind of like slughorn probably would have could have been snape's mentor if snape looked and dressed the part of a like wealthy-ish or like not super poor kid you know mm-hmm. like you can kind of envision like that slug hunters also sort of based this on like on on appearances of these kids and i don't know having met a lot of maladjusted angry white dudes in high school it's just like oh yeah kids that have like questionable hygiene and quote-unquote don't don't conform to society's norms who are just like like don't ever wash their face which again is probably some kind of like weird trauma response mm-hmm. but i can't imagine slughorn like looking deeper than that and being like mm, i'll pass yeah and it doesn't seem like slughorn i mean obviously given how many death eaters slytherin put out just in the sort of graduating class that snape was in he wasn't in any meaningful way intervening with the anti-mogul sentiment that was you know just brewing so profoundly in his house because i i mean obviously i'm bringing i'm bringing the conversation that we had with nora into this conversation and it's like you know one person potentially could have made a huge difference in the trajectory that snape had I say potentially. I mean, there, I think, are a lot of people who end up like Snape who do have lots of people try to help them and just it doesn't work. But, like, if there had been someone who had in a in a caring position, in a but also a position of authority, obviously, because, like, Lily couldn't be the one who was like, stop, because she did try and it didn't work. Yeah. So, like, if Slughorn had had you know, called a house meeting and been like, hey, actually, I don't know if all of you realize this, but like, hating muggles is a really bad look and I'm not going to tolerate it and I'm not, I'm not here for it and here's why and we need to like, talk about this and it's possible that things could have gone differently for Snape, but I don't think he was getting that information anywhere aside from his relationship with Lily who he seemed to view more as an object than as a person. Okay, wait, I'm sorry. Do y'all think that maybe Slughorn, like, Tom Ribble sent him an owl, was like, hey, I want to meet with some of your brightest and best students, you know? And he's like, yeah, sure, come meet with some of the kids. Because, like, again, right, why are there so, there were so many Death Eaters in that graduating class? I don't think that could have happened because because when we see the fight between Snape and Lily what a death eater is is already a thing so like 
Slughorn would have been knowingly connecting this, like, fascist who's attempting to, like, take over society to talk with kids. So I don't think it could have been that that much. But if these kids' parents are Death Eaters, then they're going to be bringing that back to school with them. For sure. Yeah, I think that kind of even what you had said, Jesse, like, just the state of thought on muggles that they're hearing from home and if they're not you know having any counter arguments given to them which you know we don't see at school you know even all the way up through harry's class you know you you don't get a whole lot of other house leaders speaking out against the shenanigans and terribleness going on in slytherin it's it's just kind of like ignored so i think if they've not been like had had not a whole lot of opportunity to see it modeled a different way you know i mean of course you're still going to have your seriouses that for whatever reason you know they they do make an active choice to change but i think that's probably more of an outlier especially at so young when you're really just trying to fit in and and do what you know and unfortunately that's just a lot of not great things that is modeled for those kids should we talk about the him and Lily's falling out in two pieces, like the, their conversation and then the fight with James and Sirius. Yeah. I think we come into it, they're already mid-fight. Snape has called Lily a mudblood and he's apologizing and she's like, your apology is meaningless because you may say that you don't mean it about me but like you mean it about everyone else who's muggle-born so like that doesn't matter we see snape pretty profoundly not understanding why that's a meaningful distinction and being like but we're friends i don't understand and her being like no you can't actually be my friend and also be a baby death eater like those things don't go together the way that you want them to yeah yeah no and that and that definitely kind of tracks with like like his upbringing you know not i mean not being able to identify his own emotions and then like how to express them properly or see the distinction between the two like that that is a thing you know that will happen quite a bit in like trauma kind of bringing so it's very like you're not like other muggles. You're one of the good ones, and it's like, ah, oh, that's not a compliment. Yeah, and I think we learned in the fight too that he called her that in some way because he was upset that James was flirting with her. I thought he, I thought he called her that when like James or Sirius has him like. Is that when they flip him upside down? Like I don't. That happens after the fight. Mm. I thought. Or does he call her a mudblood during that fight? Oh no! <laughs> wait, wait. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull up my copy that I have. My. Copy. I think he calls her a mudblood when she's trying to defend him during that, during the fight with James and Sirius. He says, "Like I don't need help from you. You filthy mudblood." All right, sorry. I got Snape's worst memory pulled up. All right, so. James has cursed Snape. Lily has rolled up to be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Snape's cut James. James flips Snape upside down. 
All right. <clears throat> but it's too late. Snape has directed his wand straight at James. There was a flash of light and a gash appeared on the side of James' face. Bloody blah. Uh, Lily, who was fe- with a, whose furious expression had twitched for an inch and as though she was going to smile, said, let him down. And then James does. Lily is still yelling at James. James does a counter curse. And then that is when Snape is like, I don't need help from filthy little mudbloods like her. And that's when she's like, fuck both of y'all, I'm out. Okay. And then we get the follow-up fight that we were talking about before, afterwards, and that's when they fall out. Yeah, because James was like, you should apologize to Lily, and then, like, Lily's like, I, this is not the time, and then, like, you're just as bad as he is, blah blah Yeah, and then we get the fallout of that. That must be one of the pensive memories, then, that we get. And in that that fight snape is gets upset right and is like james potter fancies you and she's like i don't care and i think that it's relevant that part of why snape was angry with lily is that someone else had a crush on her which is something that she has no part in yeah that she is like not really any control over it's very like attachment theory gone terribly wrong maybe i don't know i mean it does seem like is that what is that anxious attachment i mean i think just in general like he would have grown up kind of more with like i guess it would be more to say like the reactive attachment kind of disorder like he never properly secured any like healthy nurturer bonds or whatnot like, with a parental figure, and that, like, kind of would lead to, like, him, yeah, disengaging from other relationships. Like, I think it can go kind of two different ways. Like, you become, like, more inhibited or more disinhibited. So I would say, generally speaking, he seems more of, like, the inhibited type, like, retreating within himself, being alone more frequently, because, like, the opposite of that is kind of, like, yeah, really reaching out for, to, to, find and make those connections with people but like in a really unhealthy way that is usually like unsafe in some manner so yeah i don't know i i definitely think she probably was one of the few people to show him any kind of kindness so and if there was consistency there i think that yeah that that probably was a time where he really latched on and and could just kind of put all of his all of his feels into that (laughs) into that into her instead of like yeah having other outlets for it and things for sure so should we talk about uh, him and James? Sure. Should we talk about it broadly and then specifically, or specifically and then broadly? The first one. So they have a what Lupin calls a like Harry and Draco type relationship. Apparently, they hate each other from jump, and then they're constantly like fucking with each other. Potentially minus the homoeroticism of Harry and Draco's relationship. Right. Yeah, sorry. I finally have the chapter of Deathly Hollows where you have all this information. Literally, like, on the train. It's, like, James in, like, serious hating Snape on sight. It's just, like, but what? I mean... I think because they insult Slytherin, and, like, that's what he's sort of been holding as his ticket out of the life that he's been living. And he... I don't... I. I don't think that I have any, like, reasoning in terms of James. I can see Sirius feeling the opposite of the way that Snape feels about 
the idea of being sorted into Slytherin. And so having someone insult the idea of not wanting to be in Slytherin would then make Sirius feel really reactionary. And someone insulting the idea of wanting to be in Slytherin would definitely make Snape feel really reactionary. And so for the two of them, I'm like, yeah, of course you hated each other on site. I don't know what James's excuse was. Yeah, because Snape insults Gryffindor and then Sirius insults Snape directly because it's like, James is like, I want to be a Gryffindor, you know, with the dwell brave at heart like my dad. And then Snape is like, uh, no, if you'd rather be brawny than brainy. And then Sirius is like, where are you hoping to go? Seeing as you're neither is where is what Sirius says. And then James laughs. And that's when Lily and Snape leave. Like literally probably like 15 seconds of interaction. And it's that's it. I mean, I really wonder if James's thing is just he's a dick. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think James being a spoiled dick is probably very, yes, is probably very right. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like Sirius, for Sirius, Snape just reminds him of every one of his, like, fucking terrible family members who's in Slytherin and who's just a fucking terrible human being. And maybe he can't necessarily take it out on his brother, who's probably up until a point very similar, but he can take it out on this, like, random kid. Very low stakes target for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, if Sirius wasn't gay as hell, that could have been him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is... It's really interesting, like, the different ways, I think, that dealing with traumatic childhoods can show up for people. Because I always worry with conversations like this where it's like, you know, of course Snape turned out the way that Snape turned out because trauma, like, that that doesn't recognize the ways that like a lot of people who experience trauma go just like the full opposite of being like from a a very young age you can just like see that this is wrong and that like wrong is a thing that you don't want to perpetuate in the world and so like your way of coping is by just doing a full like the fully opposite of what you have grown up experiencing i don't know where that comes from or like how that gets explained but i feel like it is it is a thing obviously the queer community is full of people like that yeah i i think maybe it kind of comes from like a resiliency maybe that some people have or or like yeah like you're saying like even with like their different coping strategies or things i think just going the path of are they perceived negative or perceived positive you know and and on how those different choices can really result in really different things Um, And I think when you couple that with, like, the different protective factors that can be there. So, yeah, maybe Sirius had, in a lot of ways, at the base of it, probably a very neglectful, abusive kind of upbringing like Snape. But I think Sirius also had the ability to form those attachments with friends. And he really did get that from a lot younger age, whereas we look at Snape, and I don't think you could pick a friend throughout his entire life apart from Lily. And when that one friendship right. falters and he doesn't know how to, he just doesn't have that like insight or understanding into like how you repair a relationship or how you take accountability for your actions. And like when that goes, it, it kind of just never really bounces back for him. And I, and I mean, I, I still think it's also important to talk about how like 
Snape still made a choice to become a Death Eater and to stay being a Death Eater. You know, his his intense trauma aside, like, he knew that it... Not all, like, not all of the, like, sad, traumatized kids at Hogwarts became Death Eaters. A certain segment of kids became Death Eaters. I don't know. It's like whenever people online are like, oh, yeah, everyone went through a, like, minor neo-Nazi phase in high school. I'm like, uh, no, actually, I was just as full of depression and never did that. What are you... What? (laughs) I'm sorry your white entitlement isn't, like, just... I guess I just keep thinking about that, where it's like, I mean, obviously there are ways in which people make choices, and there are ways in which their environment sets them up in a way, but it's like, you still, we still all learn that, like, being a Nazi is bad, and <laughs> wanting to, like, kill other people because they're different is bad. Like, that's... I feel like it's a yes and, though, because I've been, it's very difficult, but I've been, like trying recently to understand what it might be like to not have the same kind of moral compass that I think the three of us have. And I'm like, if Snape doesn't have that, if he doesn't have this like very clear, this is an acceptable way to move through the world and this isn't, is it easier for him to then just be like, well, this is a thing that makes me feel like powerful and safe and whatever and this is what all of the people around me are doing and therefore this is like a good way to behave even though you know if asked is killing people a bad thing to do he would probably say yes but like in this circumstance can he not see that i don't know i mean that's a good question also he is his brain is still growing and it's kind of like that's already a kind of a weird time but I don't know. I guess you can't, I mean, you can't necessarily also blame it on being, you know, young and like being in that kind of point and you're growing as a person because again, a ton of people are 15 and have a lot of feelings and don't become neo-Nazis. What would it have looked like though, if he were to try to make amends with Lily, that would have looked like stopping being friends with all of the people in Slytherin who he has to live with and eat with and go to class with in order to try and make amends with this one person who he wants to be in a relationship with, but who doesn't reciprocate that feeling. So he's already feeling rejected by her on some level. Like that's a, that's a huge commitment. Like, I think it's what he obviously should have done, but what does that even look like without the ability to transfer houses to be like, no, actually fuck all of my classmates. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, because, like, doesn't, like, everyone Snape's age in Slytherin are are Death Eaters? Basically, it sounds like. Or at least the the boys. I do kind of appreciate that in some way J.K. Rowling was like, yeah, it's really, like, white men who tend to be <laughs> snared into this, you know, supremacist model of thinking. At least in the one where you're actively going out and murdering people, I feel like the ways in which white women exercise supremacy is... Like, cishet white women, like, the way that it looks to exercise supremacy looks a little bit different, but... Yeah. And maybe that's a thing that we're, like, not... That we, like, should bring into account would be, like, is also part of this, you know, Snape buying into, like, toxic masculinity and not wanting to, like... 
he lumped in with the girls if he's not a fucking death eater you know yeah well and i guess too like just thinking about yeah like what is the outside of school world like at this point where are we in terms of the war i mean is it it's actively going on it is yeah so i mean i think just like all these kids having to like survive within that world too it does i would say probably make it a a lot harder of a decision mark like what you were saying like could could he turn his back on this whole house you know but like that was kind of like survival for him in some ways like that had a lot more implications if he were to walk away at that point and yeah it just might not have been might not have been feasible yeah all right we we have to talk about the interaction with james and sirius because obviously it's something that Snape holds as like one of the worst moments of his life. Partly, I think, because it ended his relationship with Lily, but also because it was like pretty intense public humiliation. Yeah. Someone someone wrote to us about this, and I don't remember the whole context of what they wrote about, but they called it sexual assault, which I think is interesting and something to discuss it ends before we find out i think but they were implying the part where he's hanging upside down and james says that he's gonna take his pants off and we don't we don't we don't know if that happened or not i think it's relevant that uk pants means underwear i mean it is like in like incredibly inappropriate you know i mean already this sort of extreme bullying that they're all doing to each other is very inappropriate and it's just like wow someone at Hogwarts really needs to deal with this severe bullying problem I mean I don't know I feel like I'm just like trying to imagine it like in the real world you'd be like what happened now no am I gonna call his kids parents and be like why is your son doing this to people I mean I don't know it's like sexualized like humiliation assault yeah I mean, I, I think if Snape was a girl and someone pulled her pants down in front of a huge group of people, we would definitely call it sexual assault. Mm-hmm. So um, it's at least a step up from harassment, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like, I think we can kind of assume, given Hogwarts, that there was no kind of recourse of at all. I, I mean punishing kids is not going to really do shit and like of course there wasn't going to be any kind of like maybe we should all sit together and figure out the fuck is going on between like all these fucking kids so it's just sort of just out there and you know the marauders still remain as far as we can tell these like very popular kids i mean i think just like at its very core i mean the school is about like creating like the competitiveness between all the houses there is not a sense of inclusion because of how they're divided up and yeah I, I think just like that lack of attention to how that affects uh, affects them growing up and, and what they think is appropriate and not appropriate I mean the fact that any of these people then end up in the world <laughs> and expected to be like functioning adults with <laughs> is just it's very interesting so I guess jumping forward you know, all we really know is that Snape leaves school. He joins the Death Eaters. He turns spy when he learns that Voldemort is going to kill Lily. This is two. They graduate at 17. Lily dies at 21. Harry's not 
born yet, right? When Snape turns, or... Uh, yes. He is born? Yeah. Because I feel like, doesn't he turn once she's dead? Because he asked Voldemort to spare her life, which obviously doesn't happen. Yeah, I, th- I agree with that. Wait, no, that no, is... No, because wait. he goes to Dumbledore and asks him to protect Lily. Um, You're right, wait, hold on. I'm still in that chapter... Oh, right, because the... Yeah, he goes to Dumbledore because Snape tells Dumbledore about how Voldemort thinks the half of the prophecy that Snape told him about that Trelawney did is about the Potters. And he's like, I think that he's going to like kill all of them. And that's when Dumbledore is like, you don't actually care about anyone but Lily that's fucked up. But if I'm going to do this, you're going to think for me. And thus begins their fucked up relationship between Snape and Dumbledore. Yeah. Yeah, because Snape says he'll do anything in return if Dumbledore keeps all of them all of them safe. Or keeps Lily safe. Yeah. And then that doesn't work. And he's like, well, I still need you to fucking be a Death Eater in case, just in case. Right. So then we have ten, ten years passes. During mm-hmm. which Snape is safe. He works at Hogwarts. He has plenty, I think, of time to decide what kind of person he wants to be uh, outside of that context. Obviously, Dumbledore is extremely manipulative and fucked up, but there wasn't really anything to manipulate him about. I don't get the impression during that ensuant 10 years Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think apart from just keeping him in a job and not in azkaban is probably like for his involvement i'd say is probably all that was really in it for him at that point so we have adult snape i think before we talk about adult snape we should talk about the different places during that timeline that we just talked about that therapy could have happened or that some sort of meaningful intervention could have happened and how it could have shifted things. Yeah, we should talk about that. All of the points. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think he was already working with so much trauma and then you throw on top of it this like guilt or, or, or whatever it may be from his perspective at Lily's death and, and like all that complicated grief that gets thrown on top of everything. And then he just ruminates in it for years and years and years and right yeah just making it that much harder to be something to even remotely start to work on i mean it it i think it would be hard enough even just to work through the childhood things and trauma um especially with like such like with the attachment situation i mean i think getting in there earlier is is better and I mean, I think being able to model like a trusting relationship like that, like a therapist and a client would have, I mean, I think that would, would have helped immensely to learn how to do that at a younger age. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, so if, if for instance, someone, a family member or someone from a school or like a social worker or someone had intervened pre Hogwarts, uh, either by like, Snape's family getting therapy or like helping him and his mom get out of the house with so that they weren't with his dad anymore or 
Snape going and like, I don't know, living with a grandparent for a while or something like that. Do you think, I guess my question is like, would he still have been sorted into Slytherin necessarily in that circumstance? And if he, if he was still sorted into Slytherin, would he have had more of a chance of not falling into? I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, maybe if, if, if caught really young and like being able to kind of give him that ability to kind of see healthier relationships and build a sense of trust and um, have access to his emotions or, or learn how to better like regulate them and, and put them into less, I don't know, destructive or negative outlets. I mean, I don't know. Could, could it have changed the Slytherin? Maybe. I mean, you know, maybe he would have had a little bit more insight and, or I don't know. It's it's hard to say because I think like part of him wanting to be in Slytherin was everything he had built it up in his head about like the power and the yeah. And I, I think if that's something that he could have broken down more and realized that wasn't the be all end all as a young kid. But I don't know at that age. I I don't know how that looks for him. But I mean, if he was even in school as a Slytherin and had more repeated therapy i think that that could have made a huge difference in how he handled the bullying and how he handled the relationship with lily yeah i think so right because if he had if he had more resiliency then even as all of his friends are falling into death eatership he would be there like my best friend is a muggle-born and maybe that information would have been enough to insulate him from what was happening around him it's tough to say because i i think like just the environment like even with like how the rest of the world was operating at the time i think it still would have been a very dangerous thing for him to do but i think maybe he would have at least had groundwork so even if he still went down that path i I don't know i think in the time after her death like if that's something he would have worked through and worked on I, i think like he could have come to terms with his guilt and learned like better ways to manage relationships and like build up a sense of self-worth that wasn't like entirely rooted in this like power hungry thing and i think it it definitely could have changed the course of his adult life and he could have had a much i don't know more meaningful relationships maybe reacted to you know harry and the other kids just like in a a more appropriate manner yeah one of the things that i was thinking about was like in a I mean obviously Dumbledore is like pretty evil and would never do this because he loves a person that he can easily control but what if he actually like cared about Snape and therefore was like okay like I will keep you out of Azkaban you can keep working at the school but you have to get weekly therapy as a condition of your employment here. And if you stop doing it, then like we have to renegotiate our agreement. I think that would have been awesome. I think in general, (laughs) the fact that most of this society, well, the entirety of the society has no like formal therapy. I mean, I think, I don't know if both, if it's been both on or off, but I know we've talked about how, you know, they have St. Mungo's and, they can cure all the physical maladies, but they pay zero attention to any kind of like mental health 
kind of things. I mean, you have people like Neville's parents that were tortured until they were like out of their minds and they're just put away and kind of no, no more attention's really paid to them. I mean, right. Were they past the point of anything? I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think, I mean, this entire for, for years, it was just like such a high stress day to day like you're living in war times and nobody was pulled aside and yeah i think it kind of when it comes back to like the different like some people are just more resilient so yeah some people came out of it you know a lot less scathed <laughs> i don't know but i guess yeah like you're you're saying with dumbledore it doesn't fit his agenda you know if he expects voldemort to come back i mean giving snape those tools i don't know that he would have convincingly been able to play both sides down the line when he needed him to. Because um, I think there would have been a lot more hesitancy, I would hope, from Snape at that point. I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't know what, like, the qualifications are if you're, like, working in the, like, international intelligence agency kind of deal. But it's like, you, I would, I mean, obviously you want your spy to have some skills, but maybe not be as potentially mentally ill as Snape is with his all of this trauma and grief and that he just never processes i think or like maybe never even like comes to terms with what's going on like what like what happened to him and he just sort of enacts this sort of vicious bullying cycle onto children Mm -hmm. um which i mean again hogwarts really needs to deal with that bullying situation because like some of this is on (laughs) collectively (laughs) Hogwarts is an institution for not stopping, you know, the blatant bullying that all of the kids that everyone knew was happening, apparently. Yeah. But like, I don't know, I guess I'm just trying to imagine like, what Harry's Hogwarts situation life could have looked like if maybe Snape still disliked him, but had been able to process his grief and anger about what happened to him as a teenager and process the grief of being an instrumental in like Lily's death that that could have been like one fourth of the weight of that Harry carries around with him gone is that like all the things that are happening to him and then also Snape viciously bullying him or like poor Neville who half of the trauma he has at school (laughs) is from Snape bullying him right and I think that's actually super relevant I'm so glad you brought that up because Snape has this uh Please hear the massive air quotes, listeners, excuse for the way that he treats Harry because Harry looks like James. He is nothing for Neville, or does he resent Neville for not being the kid that Voldemort targeted? I mean, maybe. In which case, like, is that worse? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Or Neville. <laughs> right. Or is Neville just, like, an incredibly, I really hate saying this, easy target just because Neville's already so anxious? Yeah, and vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure that to some degree, because Snape's never worked through any of his childhood stuff, like, in some ways, maybe he, yeah, like, sees some of that vulnerability reflected, like, his own reflected in Neville, and maybe that's his, like, I'm being a hard-ass to toughen you up kind of a thing. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I mean, right. I mean, I think that anything soft about Severus Snape was definitely stomped out of him uh, by the time he left Hogwarts. And I think just kind of like, as some people do, he just kind of falls into that cycle of he was abused. And since he didn't kind of 
do the work to kind of change that. He just kind of fell into doing the same. It may not be his own children, but it's kind of the same cycle of like, that's what he got. That's what he's giving out. Yeah. He's like the trench bull. <laughs> yes. He doesn't have kids of his own to abuse. So he just abuses the whole school. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so at the time that we meet Snape, he is what? Two years younger, two to three years younger than the three of us. Is he 32? I think. Yeah. Something like that. And has had Ten years of like unfathomably stable financial and uh, home life. He's had time to make friends and seemingly has at least with like McGonagall for some reason. This is the this is where it gets hard for me to extend sympathy. I think a lot of our listeners who are who struggle with like how hard we are on Snape think about and how soft we are on the Marauders think about Snape and James and Sirius in terms of their high school interactions and not in terms of who they are as adults. We know from the text that James Potter changed significantly before him and Lily got together and stopped being a bully and stopped being like just super arrogant show off and Snape never stopped doing those things. And he didn't die when he was 21 years old. Mm -hmm. Sirius never got the 10 years of stability to make any changes that he might need to make. I think we still see him behaving better towards Snape than we see Snape behaving towards him when they're in the order together. But I just want to be really clear, like my issue with Snape comes from the fact that he's 32 years old and onward and is like outright cruel to children and that his bravery, being the bravest man Harry ever knew, is rooted in at no point is he like wizard supremacy is bad. It's (laughs) like. Voldemort killed this girl that I think I should have had and resent the fact that I didn't. And therefore, Voldemort is bad. But like, his entire motivation for turning sides is a bad motivation. And I think that motivation really matters. Insert insert Brooklyn Nine-Nine gif of uh, cool motive still murder. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. I've never watched that, but I'll I'll send you the gift. But I mean, I just basically described the gift to you. But yeah, yeah. What do you think, Theo? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking about the yeah, just the reflecting on Harry saying that that Snape was the bravest person he knew for that, and I'm like, yeah, but from like a therapy perspective, I'm like, I think the bravest would have been to like yeah confront all that raw pain. Like for as hard as it would be to 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 work through that kind of a thing, and just because you're right, like the the motivation does matter, and I guess that's a thing. Even I sometimes don't think about what I think about <laughs> about Snape. Like in the end, it was you're right. It wasn't that the wizard supremacy agenda was what was wrong. It was that he didn't get his lady. <laughs> The level of outrage that he expresses when Dumbledore suggests that Snape might be concerned for Harry's safety Mm -hmm. 
Like, he is disgusted by the concept that he might be acting because he cared about Harry's well-being. And, I don't know, man, I think that sucks. sucks. (laughs) I really think that sucks. It does, because you're right. It's it's almost like, yeah, there's been zero growth or understanding or anything that is kind of, he's just kind of just perpetuated as this bitter, cruel... Masculinity means that he can't care for any other people. I mean, I don't know. And I'm not saying I to blame this all on, like, masculinity or toxic masculinity, but... I was I just, thinking about... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the, like, real the, like real life implications of this stuff. Just keeping your emotions that bottled up inside. That's what I was going to say, though, because he's not... It's like he's not... Because I was thinking, Theo, like, you were you were talking about like if he'd had the ability to process we would see like a different adult snape i want to pose the argument that you know when you're like in a bad place in a relationship and you're just like fighting all the time but you're like at dinner with your friends and you and your partner really want to get in a fight but like you have to wait until you get in the car when you leave to get in a fight and pretend that everything's fine until that point because it's like really rude to get in a fight with your partner in front of your friends. Mm-hmm. Even just that level of self-control from Snape, where it's like, if you're going to hate this child because he happens to look like his father, who you resent for getting the girl that you thought belonged to you, you have to do it on your own later. Like, you don't get to treat that kid that way. You just have to, like, you have to wait till after class and then, like, go scream in your quarters or whatever the fuck you want to do. Like, hit a punching bag. Whatever. I I would even accept that from Snape. Just that level of like, yeah, I haven't dealt with this and I definitely hate that kid's whole face, but I'm a fucking teacher and I can't do that in the classroom. I have to wait till I go to the car later, you know? <laughs> so there are several tech talks about people who are like leaving my work and they're taking their clothes off and jamming the like loudest like raunchiest music because they're like um but yeah i that would i mean having that would have been an improvement about what we get in canon completely especially because you're like right if snape is friends with mcgonagall and maybe sprout or something and like some of the other teachers it's like aren't any of them being like okay bro for real stop (laughs) stop outwardly bullying Neville right you know I mean again Hogwarts does not care about bullying at all so but even like friend to friend would you be like okay yo that's like kind of a bad look yeah yeah I mean obviously there are so many things that could have so many times that someone could have intervened when he was a minor but then yeah he had like 10 years to go to muggle therapy I don't know journal make a friend to like talk through your shit with there are a lot of options even outside of like therapy oh sure yeah adopt a dog i don't know (laughs) find something relaxing and stress reducing (laughs) get some mindfulness exercises they feel like essential oil to I feel like, too, if nothing else, the world is already equipped with, like, I know there's not a million of them, but there is a pensive. There is a way that you can reflect back on things that have happened, kind of like in an exposure therapy kind of a manner. And, like, 
yes, why couldn't you work through that? Or at least like, just put it over there <laughs> and, and not be carrying that with you and just like in an unresolved manner. We didn't even talk about his relationship with Lupin, which actually I'm now thinking about could have come as an opportunity for like real healing because Lupin sort of like stands for Snape's history with the Marauders and seems like he was fully like, yep, we were terrible to you and I acknowledge that and like I want to make amends and like be here with you in a way that's like meaningful and non-antagonistic for an entire year and snape is like i am gonna out you as a werewolf and get you fired yep (laughs) i mean what but like what would letting go of that rage i mean i don't know it's like is it one of those things where it's like that rage is all snape has left i mean really that's not too far off base i would imagine or or i could see that like maybe that he would be maybe, maybe I'm projecting too much, but maybe just fearful of, yeah, like, what would he have? <laughs> what would he have? I mean, does he get enjoyment out of teaching? I'm not really sure. Like, is he a competent person? For sure. Could he be a much more influential teacher if he put the effort in? I imagine he could be. Um, I mean, even when he's at his worst with you know, his students, you still have people that come out of that class and they can actually do things. So it's like, he's not a total failure there. Um, but yeah, I think it's scary to think about what, yeah, what would his life be like if he didn't have that? I think he enjoys being mean to people. I think he gets, he must get some enjoyment out of teaching because you don't give the kind of like first day speech that he does in book one if you aren't into, at the very least, having that position of power. But like, he tries really hard to make them be like, ooh, potions, you know? Yeah. Like, whoa, bewitch the mind and snare the senses. Like, yeah, I'm 11. I want to learn how to do that. <laughs> it's a solid way to introduce a subject that you want your kids to get into. So there must be something there for him. Yeah. He And he puts the work in. Like, he is like, I mean, up until book six, like, they never have a potions textbook. So you assume that he is... Like he like he has created those hmm. lesson plan. You're right. He puts it up on the board. He yeah. puts it up on the board every class. This isn't like with bins or like whatever else they use textbooks in. I don't, I don't know. What do they use textbooks in? They have textbooks. They never <laughs> use them. Defense Against the Dark Arts. The class, the other class, you don't need a fucking textbook in. Yeah. So... Clearly, because there's no academic standard at Hogwarts, he could have had, like, the bins or outwards, just like, fuck it. Here's a textbook. Here's some, here's the cabinets. Have at it. I'm gonna read this fucking paper. That is kind <laughs> of what he does, though. He puts it on the board, and then That's he goes true. and reads a paper and walks That's around true. criticizing the students while they try. That is true. That is true. I guess he is sort of in the halfway place between, like, I don't give a fuck and learn how to fucking heal boils or whatever the fuck they do yeah. first year. All right, here's my burningest question, which is sort of, it's not rhetorical. I really want you to answer it, but like, I already know my answer for it, but (laughs) on behalf of the listeners, what's the takeaway here? So like having all of this, thinking about why Snape does what he does, having sympathy for him, does that change the way that we should think and talk about how adult Snape behaves and what his motivations are i don't know i I definitely think it helps like 
breaking down more and like thinking about like just really trying to get a, a fuller picture of Snape and his life. But do I think it excuses the fact that he never does any kind of work around it? He never. No, I don't. Because <laughs> too, like I, I don't know. I think you said sympathy, but I'm like, but empathy, <laughs> uh, like compassion. Yeah, like putting yourself in his shoes. Uh, no, I, I definitely feel for what he's gone through. But as we've kind of talked throughout this whole thing, I think there could have been a lot of opportunities to make a different choice. To It's just, it's sad that he never took it. Because, yeah, I, I do think he could have, he could have had it different. And it could have been different. So, yeah, go, go to therapy, everyone. I mean, I think that... He's a deeply broken person and a deep and like has fallen into the like into one of the crevasses about what a deeply broken system he has lived in. But mm-hmm. also again, other people even in the books we see have I don't know. It's like on one hand, I'm very empathetic to the ways in which the system has failed him and the way that his I don't want to say nearly never ending trauma, but just layering about like the like amount, the sheer amount of his childhood trauma is like I feel very empathetic to. But I think again, like you're right, like what 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 was he doing in those ten years? Where it's just like okay, so you're still acting like you're mentally like seventeen years old, right? It would almost be great to like when Harry says, like, he's the bravest person he ever know, but, like, to take all of that and transform it into, like, I don't know, things to be proud of <laughs> instead of, I, I don't know, I feel like his life was just a lot of really depressing things that maybe didn't have to be that way. <laughs> like, he could have had happiness or connection or more meaning than what he ended up having. Yeah, I almost feel like him still being in the place that he's in when Harry needs him makes me feel like there has to be some sort of like addiction issue that we never get to see because if he is just like working this like steady job with he I like I can't even conceptualize the level of stability that Severus Snape has for the 10 years between Lily's death and when he meets Harry Mm -hmm. it almost is like you have to actively choose to not get better in those circumstances because life isn't throwing anything at him he is fine like he's just like set he's never getting kicked out of his apartment because his landlord decided to sell it he knows where every meal is coming from he never has job insecurity so either he's like waking up every day deciding that he's not gonna like gradually get over this or he's like, we never, we don't know, but he's secretly just like drinking all the fucking time. And like, that's a thing that him and Trelawney have in common, maybe. I mean, either that or as a potion master, he's just making his own sort of like wild fucking drugs. Like he's just knocking that shit back. Yeah. So, which I mean, could be a thing that is missing from his narrative, which is a serious substance abuse problem. I mean, I I absolutely think that that's, like, a logical place, like, a logical reason for him not to heal. And also, it's not in the text, and I don't want to be like, let's make up a reason that Snape didn't get better. Like, we canonically know that both Hagrid and Trelawney are alcoholics, so I don't think that Rowling is afraid to tell us when that's a part of a character's Mm -hmm. 
lived experience. So, like, apparently Snape wasn't, and... Well, and I'm curious if the difference is... I mean, we kind of see that, like, we find that out about Hagrid because of her relationship with other people that we see interaction with. Snape doesn't really have much of that. Like, he's kind of off doing his own thing, so... Who's noticing that? Yeah, but we see it with Trelawney. She, like, is trying to hide the bottles in the Room of Requirement. Yeah, it's true. Harry does enough, like, sneaking and spying and, like, catching Snape at random times of day that I think we would have seen it if that was... Or even in, in Snape's pensive memories, if that was a part of his of his trauma, wouldn't he have given Harry that information? He gives him everything else. And then I spent 10 years drinking and thinking about your mom. Like, that seems relevant. This is going to sound fucked up. It seems almost worth that, like, you, you like, don't deal with that trauma and you don't develop any kind of, like, yeah. substance or drinking issue. You just, like, stay sober and, like, bully children. I'm kind of like... I agree. It is. It is worse because he had... He has... He has to choose. Like, time, at the very least, lessens the intensity of things like this unless you really don't want it to or there's an a physical barrier like something like substance abuse so like this was a choice that he made very exhausting choice (laughs) (laughs) literally waking up every day and choosing violence i was gonna say waking up every day and choosing trauma but (laughs) both maybe the same thing honestly (laughs) i don't know I feel like I don't want to leave this without noting the extremely important difference between Snape's envelopment in like supremacist radicalization and how that looks IRL. Because when we're talking about like, did Snape have a choice? Could he have gotten out of it? That's because he's like living with the people um that excuse doesn't actually apply to people who are just like hanging out on the internet and i just want to make that really clear like no one else gets that level of compassion about how they fell into becoming terrible white supremacists or yeah and while i think a sense of entitlement does sort of happen when snape is younger i don't necessarily think that entitlement is one of the driving forces as of him being a complete douche canoe to students as an adult. Mm -hmm. While I think that the sort of white entitlement of like cishet white dudes who like go up and like shoot up schools and like crowded places and stuff and become radicalized on the internet is that's like definitely the sort of thing that no one is talking about that is driven behind this. Like I was told that because I'm a cishet white dude in America. I'm going to receive all X, Y, and Z things. Just hand it to me. And why hasn't that happened or isn't happening? Right. So, and I don't even, that's I think that's even a driving force behind the Death Eaters. No, because they already have all of the power and all of the privilege. Yeah. And I I definitely could see where if you were just reading this book in the past couple of years, you'd be like, right, this is like, Snape is an incel. This this is clearly like a we like this is like an online cult is being a Death Eater. It's like maybe you start off being in like pure blood cultures, wizard culture, we should preserve it to being like we should murder people and you're like, How did that happen? Mm-hmm. Or like I guess maybe people who are like 
the confederacy is part of my heritage and it's like my vegetarian phase lasted longer than the confederacy like it's about racism. <laughs> Um, (sighs) yeah i guess if you're trying (laughs) if you're trying to write a character like this now you probably would not write them such so reddit troll or 4chan troll ish totally anyway sorry i cut you off no i was just gonna ask for closing thoughts should really be trying to intervene with bullies so you don't go on to do worse things which involves which includes trolling trolling is bullying and we should be taking that more seriously and people should talk to their kids about not trolling folks on the internet because that's bullying and and then you turn around and you're like he was so nice why would he shot up shoot up a movie theater i don't know yeah teach kids about empathy definitely <laughs> yes. yeah whatever whatever that looks like and don't sit idly by and watch when there are warning signs that children aren't being treated the way that they should be treated. Say something. Let them know that you care and that they are worthy of love and respect, just like everybody else. Yeah. And when someone tries to defect from supremacist organizations, don't make them do it with conditions. <laughs> just let them defect. <laughs> I mean, when has Dumbledore done an empathetic thing in his goddamn life? Great question. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, Theo. Sure. Thanks. That was, that was a good talk. Lots to think about. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yes. Do you want Do you want to be found upon the internet? Sure. I really don't do much apart from at Theo Julian Forrester on Instagram. And also on hashtag com slash comics. Correct. And also on our Patreon. <laughs> I do do things. <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. This is our second to last episode of our Pride Month series this year, but it is not the end of our Pride Month celebration. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Gaily Prophet so that you can join us for a tea party on Instagram Live this Thursday, June 24th at 3 p.m., eastern noon pacific uh it's gonna be really fun i think i've never done an instagram live before but i am pretty sure that they are fun and that you should come hang out with us also don't forget to check out the rest of our pride stuff before the end of the month like our exclusive merch and our free uh rated r queer harry potter activity book which can both be found at hashtag ruthless.com shop And, uh, you know, if you want to support queer media all the year round, you can join our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit. And if you join by the end of June, you will get a personalized affirmation from your gay aunt, Jessie. And to all of our current patrons, please make sure you look for the post that's up on Patreon now about how you can get your personalized affirmations as well. The Gaily Prophet is a creation of Hashtag Ruthless Productions and is produced, mixed, and edited by me. You can find us at Hashtag Ruthless.com or, like I said, on Instagram at The Gaily Prophet. We're also on Twitter at The Gaily Prophet and we're on Patreon at The Gaily Prophet. The music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod, and our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester, the person whose voice you heard this whole episode. And uh, until next time, where we deep dive into random things about... It's not random. Where we deep dive into... (laughs)
God damn it. What have I been saying? <laughs> Whatever the hell we want to talk about. Hell yeah. 